Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Chris Davis with the Baltimore Orioles, and I'm listening to Section 336. Hey, this is Big Bad Bud Norris, and you're listening to Section 336, Baltimore's best sports talk. Hey, this is Jay Gibbons, you're listening to Section 336, Baltimore's best sports talk. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your dearly stuttering host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by the zany one, Bert Rohde. What up, 336ers? And the button lover, Josh Soroka. Hey guys, how's it going? All excited about Steve Pierce? Yeah, I was celebrating late into the night the Boston win. No, I, I, watched, I watched to the last out last night. Did and then you? the second that the the catcher ran up to leap into the pitcher's arm, I turned it off. I've seen enough. So I turned you, it off at that point. So you saw enough to see Manny Machado go down on one knee, and then you shut it off. Yeah. I, I don't like to see people celebrate. It makes me angry. <laughs> not when it's the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least, Sox. at least it was a franchise that hasn't won a World Series in a long time. Oh, wait. <laughs> All right. now, oh, the, wait. the most World Series the, winningest franchise in the 21st right. century. Right. Nice to see the underdogs win. Yeah, right. Um, I didn't watch yesterday's game. I went to bed a little early yesterday. I did stay up for most of the 18-inning game. <laughs> because I was – That's impressive. 
I as a baseball fan, I really enjoy that. Like I love that extra innings, everything matters. Uh, and one little screw up, like the Red Sox screwed up in the thirteenth inning when they should have won the game. Then, yeah, I love like that part of baseball. Yeah, and it gets fun in the playoffs because like you never know who's going to pop out of the bullpen, right? Like right. starters are yeah. coming out of the bullpen, sure. especially when you get like, that far in. Right. So for that game, I lasted like sixteen innings. I think it was like three thirty when I went to sleep. Okay, I, there's a lot of people saying they stayed up the whole time. I don't believe half of them. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think some people really, Unless you're it, a Red it, Sox it, fan or a Dodgers fan. Yeah. But I, it, I, was, I think I made it to the 10th, the 9th or 10th. Right. But it's but even that, we're talking about like midnight or after midnight. Right. Well, that. right. I said I made it to the 16th. I probably didn't start the game until the 7th. Yeah. So I watched uh, yeah, the and I don't game. Even, that's one of those things. I think it was like a lot of people where I had it on, and then at some point I was asleep. <laughs> so I don't right. know exactly when that was exactly um, but but it's it's i mean with all these but it was it is helpful that that was a friday night well, that yes was. if that was last the, night it would have been ridiculous even friday yeah. night, even friday night it's kind of i don't i get the length because i love that in, in baseball there's you're, there's no ties so i like that it keeps going until someone wins i have oh, no yeah. issue with Actually, that in baseball is awesome yeah. i hate these it's the most important games of the year let's start them at 8 p.m or 9 yeah, p.m., whatever time they start. I know they're I West Coast teams, but you can play day games on the West Coast. Yeah, or even like even a 7 o'clock game would make a huge difference. Like a yeah. season regular season, a mm-hmm. 7 o'clock game. And, and a Sunday 4 o'clock game sounds wonderful. Yeah, because even or, and even on the, the, the Saturday could be a little bit earlier. Because the playoff games, especially the World Series, especially the Red Sox, they're going to take longer anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, even the one game that went in the, the uh, regulars – after the 18 in the game was like five hours long. Like it was, it was just ridiculously long. Yeah. Even the normal nine inning games are just a lot longer because there's so many switches because each pitch matters so much for all that cool stuff, but it just takes a lot longer to play. Right. Uh, So they should start early. You got to give the people who paid like $800 for their ticket to the world series, uh, their money's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Marlon man needs something to do. If I paid $800 for a baseball game ticket, uh, especially if we're losing, it better at least be like a five-hour-long game. It, it can, will, I, can I it say? Does suck for all those Dodger fans that went out there uh, on Sunday night and lost. That is sad. Yeah, yeah, but you you knew what you were signing up. For. I know, but I remember having that fear during the Super Bowl when we went to the Ravens Super Bowl. Oh yeah, well, having this panic of wait a second, we might walk out of here losers. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the. The Los Angeles Dodgers now are only uh, two more World Series away from becoming the Buffalo Bills of Major League Baseball, <laughs> which I can appreciate. Right? Yeah, I like the idea of them getting over there every time and losing. I mean, it just it supports our theory that the National League is minor league ball over there. That's why they can't win. <laughs> it does. It does support that. You know what's interesting? I, um, as a high school teacher, I sometimes you know I, I overhear, I eavesdrop on what my kids are talking about. Mm-hmm. It was the freaking World Series. I didn't hear a single comment about baseball throughout the entire World Series from my students. Because it was Boston and, and L.A. It was, What's that? It was Boston and L.A. There's no intrigue there for the average sports fan. It's certainly not in our area, right? No. I mean, it's... I guess a little bit hatred toward Boston, but... It, right. But we're tired of Boston. We're tired of L.A. It's these big cities winning everything. Um, 
I think if Milwaukee made it, if Atlanta made it, you've got some intrigue for your average fan. An underdog story to yeah. root for. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought about this, too, because apparently Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, had some comments about why the ratings for the World yeah. Series. He said he didn't down. know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it, I don't know either because it is two of the biggest baseball markets in the country, East Coast, West Coast. And you can't say, you know, if it was Milwaukee and Houston or, you know, Milwaukee and Kansas City or something like that, it it would be far worse. Maybe so. Because the only people people watching it will be in Milwaukee and Kansas City. The rest of the country really doesn't care. Uh, Sure. Yeah, this was the matchup baseball wanted. Sure. Right. Right. But but, see, baseball, there's there's. With any of these big sporting events, you see it in the NFL all the time. There's a story. They want to tell a story. They need to take this game and and, and build it into a story. When you've got David versus Goliath, you got a story there. But when you've got Goliath versus Goliath, and it's like, what is the story? The story became uh, Manny Machado's a jerk. <laughs> that be- and then and then late and then into the end of the weekend. Well, where'd Steve Pierce come from? But it, but there was no storyline of like Boston team coming together or L.A. coming together because these teams were uh, financially uh, top of the game. That's yeah, where the players came from. There was no. It was really hard to build a story around around this matchup. And the and the Manny Machado's a jerk thing was really more of an NLCS thing that didn't really carry over into the World Series. Oh no, it carried into the World Series. You think so? It totally did. How? Uh, oh, no. I was a little disappointed that there was not very much drama with that. I didn't see there much was, at like, all. Not, you didn't, not to the extent it was in the NLCS. Hold on. You didn't see the the Red Sox players saying that Manny Machado is stealing signs? No. They called him a sign stealer? Must not have been that big of a story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then uh, Buster only tried to promote it, get uh, more attention by tweeting about how he's talked to other teams about the Manny Machado uh, free agency coming up and how this looks negatively on him. Yeah, so. And there was that uh, he thought it was a home run, and he oh yeah, that was that was cool. Double and and that play. And when you're making your storyline, Manny Machado's a jerk for him to strike out, fall in to end the series, kind of encapsulates puts a nice uh, bow yeah. on that. Yeah, but so, you know what? Uh, He's a good baseball player, and any yeah, team will be lucky. Of to course, have him. of course. <laughs> but it was still that was the, that was the storyline. I mean, give yeah. me another storyline from this World Series. Yeah, I, I still don't I still don't get it in that like and I don't want to harp on the time thing, but baseball is watched mostly by kids and old men, right? And I'm yeah. like I'm not an old man, but I'm kind of an old man at heart. And us us old men can't stay up till one AM right. watching a game. You know, the right. only people who are staying up there are kids who are twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, and they're not watching baseball. So I don't know what baseball's doing. Right. The reason I didn't watch last night's game is because I was too tired because I watched Friday night's game. I can't do that. Um, I carried into Sunday. But you're right. And I it don't, is, it's October. We're, t- we're worn down from an entire season. Right. It's October. We can't and, I, and I don't think. Like a, a West Coast trip all over again. Right. And I'm not worried about. And I think you, I don't want them to fix it by rules of the game. You fix it. You can easily fix it by bumping it up an hour, bumping it up two hours, starting the game earlier. Because yeah. we want that, like. That 18-inning game, I know it's like set records and was longer than some World Series altogether, but it was cool baseball. It was at the same time. I've tweeted at the, out, it's what I love about baseball and also what baseball needs to fix because it had all the intrigue, all the uh, 
pressure of every move counts and every but move only, matters. Yeah, hardcore baseball fans. Exactly. But then on the other hand, they need what they need to fix is the casual fan is not into that. Yeah. If Puig shakes his butt and hits a home run, yeah, um, it's the, awesome. But if, if anyone, if, there, if no one watches it, it's a little bit less awesome. The, yeah. yeah. The Puig wiggle. Well, what's your favorite gift from the World Series? Because the Puig w- wiggle is good. The Manny Machado falling down is good. But but the Puig home run was excellent as well. Yeah, that's not it's not really a gift, but that still shot of him like a couple steps down the first baseline, holding his arms up while Eduardo Rodriguez is mid like throwing his glove yeah. down in mid. Yeah. Oh no, that's the gift. That's the gift. Yeah. Okay, that's I, I know there's a gift, but that's my still shot. Oh yeah, that's my favorite still shot. It is. That goes down my with favorite the because uh... I enjoy a gift of a butt wiggling. The butt yeah, that's good. true. That's true. The butt wiggle. The the still picture of the home run and the glove being thrown down, you can get all of that in a still picture. The both, butt wiggle, you need the gift. Both of those, yeah, coincidentally, go down in history with the World Series with the uh, the Carlton Fisk waving, you know, and, <laughs> if, and the Kirk Gibson pumping his fist. Right. Coincidentally, both Boston and Dodgers, uh, respectively. How do you like that? Well, that's what you get from teams who are, uh, like, old, long teams uh, who have been there uh, cornerstone big market teams you're going to get stuff like that because they're in the spotlight more yeah but uh if if the dodgers do not have the butt wiggle bobblehead next year they're making <laughs> a huge that. mistake yeah I it's don't not know a bobblehead no it's a a, a yeah. bobble butt bobble butt a bobble butt a bobble butt uh yasiel puig bobble butt bobble butt yep yeah that that needs in fact all, that should be straight across Major League Baseball. Every team gives it away. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steve Pierce was the, the World Series MVP. Mm-hmm. I, I heard a lot of people talking about, like, uh, who's this guy? But, of course, we all – I mean, I was not surprised at all that he had a huge World Series. I mean, we've seen him get hot and do this in Baltimore, right? Sure. Yep. Here's uh, – this is fun to go over, though. Um, can we look at baseballreference.com? The transactions for Steve Pierce in his career. Okay. Drafted by the Red Sox in 2004, did not sign, went back to school. Then drafted in 2005. So that's funny, right? He was first drafted by the Red Sox, but didn't right. sign with them. Then drafted by the Pirates in the eighth round, uh, signed. 2011, became a free agency, signed for the Twins. 2012, released by the uh, Twins before he even played a game, I think, because he was signed on uh, December 15th. Released to March 27th. So I don't think he even played a game. And then uh, it, on March 29th, it's signed by the Yankees. Then June, 12, uh, June 2nd, 2012, uh, purchased by the Orioles from the Yankees. Then July 28th, just a few weeks later, uh, the Houston Astros selected him off waivers. Then later that year, in August 27, 2012, uh, the New York Yankees bought him off the Astros. Then later that same year, September 29, 2012, the Orioles selected him off waivers from the Yankees. Then in 2014, the Orioles released him. Then in uh, two days later, the Orioles signed him again. Uh, then in, in November of 2015, he got free agency again. Then in January 2016, the Tampa Bay Rays signed him. Then the Tampa Bay Rays traded him to the Orioles in 2016 for Jonah Heim. Then in November 2016, he was a free agent again. Then December 5th, he was signed by the Blue Jays. Then June 28th of this year, he was traded by the Blue, by the Blue Jays to the Red Sox for Santiago Espenyal. 
And now he's a World Series right. MVP. And now he's a World Series he's MVP. A, Isn't that just like a crazy journey of yeah. a player? That's like insane. He's, he has solidified himself as a legend in Baltimore. I mean, in Boston. A legend in Boston right. for the rest of his life now. Because yeah. this last week. And, and days, the man's a baseball yeah. player. I mean, I think everywhere he goes, fans like him because he's just he's just a baseball player. Sure. Yeah. And he's got that crazy like look in his anti, eye. He's like the anti-Manny Machado, right? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have quite as much talent, but like he goes about it the, the, the right way. You know what he's he a is. Hard he's a good hitter. He, he's the... Uh, <laughs> He's like a step above Ryan Flaherty. Yeah, he's like a, a power-hitting good version of yeah. Ryan Flaherty. Yeah, he's he's Ryan Flaherty, <laughs> but with offense. A good version. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. That's not a good comparison at all. Ryan Flaherty is <laughs> good defensively. Uh, Steve Pierce isn't that good defensively. But right. Steve Pierce did play second for us for a while. That was fun. Yeah. He's the offensive version. Yeah. If you just combine those two guys. Right. But, I would say uh, if you combine those two guys, you have an awesome player. But, I mean, we're talking about the World Series MVP, so he doesn't need to be combined with anybody. Right. But here we are. Baseball season is now officially over. Uh, other, One more thing uh, about Steve Pierce. Yeah. Uh, his awards in 2014, he won Player of the Week. That's his only award as a major player in his uh, entire career. Now World Series MVP. So that's pretty cool. So he's he's gotten both of those awards based off his performance for one week at a time. Yeah, exactly. He's player of the exactly. week. He's the player of the week for the entire league for one random week in July 2014, and now he's the player of the week in the most important week of the season, and he's World Series MVP. <laughs> yeah, just when you have your good week, right? Yeah. And what team you're on? And before we move on from the World Series, I wanted to get your thoughts on David Price because a lot could be said for him to be the World Series MVP the way he's pitched in this World Series, and it's not uncommon for a pitcher to get a World Series MVP. Uh, consideration. Did you guys see this uh, superstitious thing about his cap and how he was able to turn it around from previously being 0-10 in the postseason throughout his career? No. I know about his previous record, and then he just went, ran off three wins in a row for right. his team. Did you, did, you pay, did you pay any attention to his Boston Red Sox baseball cap that he wore for the World Series? Actually, uh, for most of the ALCS. I can't say that I did. That's a uniform. I'm not a uniform guy. It doesn't. I don't notice. David Price is known for removing the little button on the top of his baseball caps, okay. and he's done it for almost his entire career. And he was previously 0 and 10 in his postseason career coming into uh, this 2018 season. For this postseason, he got shellacked against the Yankees. In the ALCS, got removed after the second inning, I think. Yeah, yeah. Very next game he pitched, the button was back on his cap. And you saw how he performed from then on out. So it's a. It's oh, the, it's, hold it's, on. It's, hold on. You mean. It's true. It's a true story. This little button. I didn't even know you could remove that top button. I thought if you remove that top button, it just comes like unraveled. Right. I thought all the of these down. little points go to the, uh, go to the, to the button. The, do you know what the little button is called? The official name for it? The fastener? No. <laughs> You'll never get it. It's the Squatchy. The Squatchy? Squatchy. S-Q-U-A-T-C-H-E-E. The Squatchy. What's the origin of that term? I don't know. What? What's the... Is that just a baseball cap thing? Squatchy? So is the Squatchy now just a decorative piece of a hat? Kind of like stirrups? You don't need them, so now they're decorative? Well, it says Price typically removes the button from the top of his cap. It is a bizarre quirk. That may have formerly served a purpose, 
but it appears to now be a superstition for him. Uh, and let's see. Because if you ever wear like a, uh, if you ever put like a batten helmet on on top of your baseball cap, the squatchy is always annoying. Here we go. The term squatchy appears to have originated from a popular line of books from the 1980s called Sniglets <laughs> by comedian Rich Hall, in which he attempted to give names to everyday objects and situations that did not already have names. It's not a bad idea. He returned. He referred to the button as a squatcho. But and it, it appears that the name has evolved to Squatchy. But wouldn't you think it had the name originally of Button? Or Price, like... Price has referred to the piece as the Ouch Button, which suggests that his decision to remove was not originally a superstition. Call, calling it the Ouch Button sounds like something my four-year-old would, would call it. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's, here's Price's uh, reasoning. Uh, if you're sitting in the dugout... Go. Your initial reaction when someone hits a long ball or makes a great play is to stand up. And if you're tall, like David Price, at some of the older ballparks like <laughs> Wrigley Field, you'll hit your head on the top of the dugout. And if you got that button there, see you later. So for someone like David Price, who's what, six foot six? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can see why he'd be pulling off the squatcho. All right. This, it's the, the squatchy. It's, or the ouch button. <laughs> I think ouch button is going to be today's show title. So uh, well, if he's now wearing the squatchy, I'm taking the squatchy off my all my hats. Right, it's time to remove the squatchy. Why isn't that's what the mayor of Baltimore should be doing? The initiative for the squatchies, not the squeegee boys, but the squatchy boys. Yeah, if if Manny Machado really wanted to be the villain, he would have gone in between innings, found uh, David Price's hat, and cut off the the squatchy. Well, you know who should have done that is Chris Sales. <laughs> he, he's got he knows how to use scissors. Yeah, I was. Can I say I was not happy to see David Price be so good. I liked it when he was bad, uh, <laughs> but I, I did enjoy. Uh, I, I'm glad it wasn't Chris Sale. I know he came in to, to close the game out, but I'm glad Chris Sale wasn't great because I I hate Chris Sale. He pitched a pretty great ninth inning, struck out the side. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But at least he didn't start because he's soft and he needed an extra day's rest. <laughs> well, he had another uh, belly button ring infection, so <laughs> that's right. So on the uh, on the Orioles front, since our last podcast, they lost out on another uh, international free agent. As we when we talked last yeah. week, we were hoping, all right, well, there's still hope they can pull in this pitcher, this sixteen uh, year old Gaston. And I what the next day they missed out on that as he signed with Tampa, and here yeah. it is. Here it is. Baseball season's over, and we still have no one. Like the warehouse is empty. Was there any? Was there any word on? Let's talk about some of these because uh, because there have been some international free agent signings. But Josh just gives the negative news because he's biased news. All right, you want to know about these random the guys? guys we didn't sign. Not the guys we did sign. But has there been any word on how? Much the Orioles offered for uh, Victor Victor Mesa uh, that it was a lot less. I thought, yeah, uh, which made no That's sense. That's why I, I heard, and and I didn't know what this mean, meant exactly. But I was reading Rockabaka's article, and he said the Orioles weren't in the same ballpark as the Marlins as far right. as the offer goes. How are you not? Now, but I didn't know if that meant. What? But but he, I and then I and I heard him in the interview, and I've heard people say this over and over again. Saying, well, you know, we got the Miami market and a little Havana down there and all this other stuff about how Miami is more conducive to Cuban players. 
and that's why they signed there. And that may be true, and I'm not disputing any of that. Right. But but why? just tell me how much they made the offer for. If they made the offer for $2 million more than the Marlins, and he still chose to sign with the Marlins, I'm good. I'm good. Exactly. But if you're telling me they offered a million dollars less, let's say, because we don't know exact numbers because they won't disclose it. And why won't they disclose it? Because it was less. So let's say they offered a million dollars less. That has nothing to do with the Marlins market. has nothing to do with Little Havana. They just offered less. Yep. And so that's the story. The story isn't about Little Havana. The story isn't about how Miami is a nice town for Cuban players. The story is the Orioles didn't even match what the Marlins were offering for the guy. Right. Right. When when we were led to believe we collected all of this money so we can throw it all at Victor Victor. And so we miss out on those two guys. And then we do the same thing with this Gaston. Uh, we weren't willing to go above what Tampa Bay was offering when we had more money to offer him. Yep. We could have offered him three times as much as Tampa Bay did. Right. But, but we said, you know, we don't really think he's worth it. Yeah, it's crazy. And so you're going to lose out on that money. Well, yeah. You're not going to lose it. You know where it goes? Into Mr. Angelos's pockets. That's where it goes. But come on, we, fi- we did sign Kevin Infante, an 18-year-old out of Cuba, uh, Angel Gomez, a 17-year-old out of Venezuela. Kelvin LaRoche, a 19-year-old out of the Dominican Republic. By the way, LaRoche, La uh, before you get to the last big one, uh, LaRoche <laughs> was described by scouts as a durable arm. Your kid's 19. A How durable can you be a arm. durable arm at 19? I don't, <laughs> I don't want a durable arm. I want an arm that throws power. And uh, Bert, final one is a shortstop. Gilbert, 17-year-old out of Venezuela. Bert, do you know who this guy is? No, of course not. His last name, Machado. No relation. I did know that. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? A, are you serious about that money going in Angelos's pocket? Or are you being facetious? Well, it means we're not spending it. It's, he doesn't get the money, but he, we don't spend. Sure. It. Well, where's the coach, was, Josh? Well, yeah, he he keeps it. Like the money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're like, right. It, it goes. So in, why goes, are we wasting our time rooting for this team? It goes. It goes into whatever the team bank account. Yeah, I mean, if we don't spend it, it doesn't go back to Major League Baseball. No, you're right. Like, if, if we don't spend it, it goes to the Orioles, whatever, their, their, their budget. So it goes to, now, to Peter Angelos, right? Right. Now, I did hear that they can spend that money on scouts and other things. But I don't $6 million know. on but, scouts? But <laughs> exactly. The whole point was to bring in Victor Victor, and you didn't make the largest offer. It's, you know, hey, it's kind of like – when you when you're you're what doesn't make sense is the Orioles are used to this to get someone to come and sign to Baltimore. We've talked about you're gonna have to pay more because no one wants to come to Baltimore. That means the same for international free agents. You gotta pay more because Miami's really attractive. Yeah, I mean we've been paying more for pitchers since the beginning of time. This yep. is like normal business for for the Orioles. Um, can, but can, can I read the description of of Machado? His, the scouting report? Sure. It says this. Uh, the guy, we just signed Machado, and it says about him, Machado is a natural shortstop with plus defensive skills and athleticism. Sound familiar? Uh, Sounds a little familiar, right? You're not, there's no way you're getting another Machado that's, that's as good as Manny Machado. I'm just saying we have another Machado who's a natural shortstop and, a, and is athletic. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Cool. Great. <laughs> Great. Um, and they were all on, like, the bargain bin, so it was great. Yeah. I mean – Very, very cheap. Yep. The most expensive was that Afante guy for 175000 The rest were uh, 
Under 100,000, I think. One, one team's trash is another team's treasure. But uh, no, yeah. but it's just typical Orioles. We won't go out and bid for the big guy, even when we've got the most money, and we'll just sign all these Rule 5 crap people. We'll sign guys that don't cost any money. It doesn't oh, yeah, make sense. You see, we're already – we just released Chase Peterson. Yeah. We're, we're making, already making room yeah. for the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. You know what, though? As far as the – there's still no president, but I did hear – I'm encouraged by two things. I heard one report that they've started – that they've interviewed people. So I don't think it's that they're not doing anything. I just think that they're keeping it real but, close to the best. But are you surprised that – nothing has leaked with even who they're interviewing when like when this Kim person is interviewing at other at the Mets it gets out that oh she's interviewing at the Mets don't you think yeah, it, it but, would at least get out I don't know and the names that are associated with the um, uh, the the president job of president baseball operations yes. job I, I don't I don't know all those names no but that's a good thing because it means, right, it's not Mike Bordick. Yeah. Or Cal um, It's not Ned Coletti even. Right. Right. Because that's yeah. a name that has been tied, but I don't think it's Ned Coletti either. So it seems to be other guys like the assistant for the athletics. Um, and you mentioned Kim. And you, so it's these other people who seem to be young and into the analytics side of things. So I think they're looking at the right person. And as far as the timeline goes, I was concerned before. Now that Victor Victor's gone and Victor Jr.'s gone. Right, you already blew that. And guess, what's, what's the president of baseball operations and a GM? What, 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 what are they even doing right now for the Orioles? There's, there's nothing to do. Uh, except. They got to decide whether to release uh, but there a Joey is, or not. Like, like but there is, so there is cool something to do. There is something to do. They need to what? set up. They need to come up with this roadmap and this plan and convince the Angelos family of this plan. They need to start building the analytic department. We learned about how the Orioles don't have an analytic department of value. They need to build that. They need to start interviewing uh, general managers. They start. Yeah, but Josh, the the plan is not to get everything ready for 2019, right? Like we're we're on the we're on the long haul here. Yeah, like there's no. Hurry. But you got to start now. Over the next three years, let's get this analytical department set up. So we can be competitive in five years. Like there is no rush. Here. I think I think right. you, I think you set the foundation now, though. Sure, but but, but the, I don't think there's no. If you do it now, or if you do it three months from now, I don't think it matters. They, the, those those guys, the international guys, are gone. So there's no urgency right now. Right. But, We're not winning in 2019. That's already right. established. Yeah, yes, but so that, take like your the, take your time. And, Take your time and hire the right guys now. There's no – don't rush it and then lose out. And then who's to say we hired, we we rushed it to hire somebody and then they screwed it up anyway. Now we're stuck with this guy we just hired. There's no rush. There's no rush right now. No, but you want to set down that foundation this offseason because that analytics department, as an example, that scouting department isn't to win next year. That's to build the foundation to help your players grow, to make your minor league players get better so that in three years they can compete. Yeah, but I would say as long as you can start building towards that, getting that set up by like May, I think you're on the right track, right? Like I don't think you have to have that set up by Christmas. I, I think what else are you doing? If you're not working to improve the team now, what are you doing? Well, I think you're, you're trying to find the right guy. Well, that, and that's the question. Hopefully. Are you? Are you trying to find the right guy or are you just uh, staying up watching 18 innings of baseball? Yeah, and and this team does not deserve the benefit of the doubt for anything. So no, not I don't blame people being skeptical. 
Right. When when the but I just I, I hope they get I mean the president of baseball operations, whoever they say, whoever they name, it's gonna be such a huge deal to be so insightful into the direction of this team. So I think we'll have a lot of answers when we find out who the who who the guy is that we will uh hire. And I I wonder, like I wonder who's gonna leave a nice gig as an assistant like for the athletics, which I don't think is a very nice gig, but it's a decent gig. Who's gonna leave an assistance gig to, to run the Orioles? Um, unless they have assurances that the Angelos boys will not uh, will not influence. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd say I yes, but also someone signs up to sign to go to the Browns all the time. So <laughs> I mean, you you get the call, you go. The President Trump doesn't have a problem uh, finding a new press secretary every six months. Somebody right. wants that job. All I know is <laughs> is when I get on Twitter and the big. Oriole news of the weekend is Rock and Brit's Halloween costumes. <laughs> I, I want the Orioles to do something. Oh, what were their Halloween costumes? I didn't see. Like they were both like League of Their Own characters. Oh, what? But they both like went to different parties and didn't know each other, dressed up as League of Their Own part characters or something. The Rockford Peaches. Oh, that's yeah, cute. yeah, something like that. I don't know. That was the big news yesterday when I went on Twitter and I. Uh, Said, all right, it's time for the Orioles to at least make a phone call. And uh, that, the other news was Dana Duquette got fired. And the, what is it? Five guys, and he, basically guys with connections to uh, to Dan Duquette, which I think leaves Brady Anderson, Trip Norton, and Brian Graham as the remaining guys in the warehouse. Yeah, there's a couple other, I guess. There's yeah, there was one who went to the Marlins thing, and he was he was fired too, and a few scouts. The only one that was surprising of all that is Ron Johnson, who was like the Norfolk manager. This year he was. <laughs> You're out. I don't here. know what they call it. Matt. Like the development, uh, the developmental guy of the year or something. Right. Yeah. He won it this year, right. and then you're out of here. He's a lifer too. He's been around the yep. game for a long time. That was a little surprising. Right. Johnson. Being well, they they needed to blame something for why we had no one to come up and help the Orioles. So they said fire <laughs> yeah. fire the Triple A guy. Yeah, and maybe I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see where Ron because Ron Johnson, if he wants another job, it sounds like he could get another job somewhere in the minors. I'm sure. Um, you guys think Buck Showalter ever manages again? Ah, uh, I don't know. If I was Buck, I would take time off. I'd go do the TV thing again. TV pays well. There's so many opportunities for TV now. I would go do and TV, easy. and yeah. it's easy. Um, it's like doing this podcast, there's right. no work. I. I <laughs> There, there were rumors for a while that he would go to and coach college. I could see Buck fitting well in at college because it's yeah. it's working with young guys, it's developing, it's it's. Uh, I think it's less games. He seems to love baseball, yeah. Right, it, it's teaching fundamentals. It's not dealing with the finances of the game and all that. So I could see that as as a thing for Buck. I could see Buck as the guy that likes to go around and recruit and and talk to young like high school kids about baseball. So I could totally see him as a college coach. But other than that, I think TV. He, he seems also like the perfect guy to be in one of these advisor roles. You know, you always hear about these advisors yeah. just to kind of get their take and their opinion on the team and the roster construction. He seems like the perfect, maybe not decision maker, but like the perfect advisor. Like I would want to get his perspective on things all the time. Or he seems like a guy Major League Baseball should hire as an advisor. Not, oh, yeah, uh, not a team too. necessary. Like uh, – uh, Joe Torrey. Torrey, that's the guy. Like how he yeah. is, uh, head of that rules committee or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we know Buck has his thoughts on the rules. Buck is uh, 62 years old. 
Uh, going into 2018, the average age of a Major League Baseball manager was 53. And the oldest and, the oldest one was 64, Joe Madden. And we are oh, going, wow. That's we, surprising. Right. And we're, we're, yeah, that's surprising. And we are going through a phase right now with managers that they are getting younger. Managers are Rocco but all, uh, Who's that guy, Rocco? Uh, Baldelli. Baldelli, yeah, former prospect for the Rays. He just signed with the Twins. What's he, like 15 and he's managing the right. team now? All right. 30, 37? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, he's, 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 our age. he's younger than us, yes. Um, managers are definitely skewing younger when Rod uh, Ron Garden hire was signed for 2018 that he now made nine uh, managers who were age 60 or older. And that could be part of the whole let Ron Johnson go is to try to uh, help develop our own coaches with giving a younger guy who's not a light for a chance. Yeah, I mean, but all the guys connected, at least all the names I've seen, have been guys on the from outside the organization. Yeah. And based on the recent firings, it sounds like they're making a concerted effort to go outside the organization to, to fill some of these spots. It and looks not, like it. So the rumors of uh, Billy Ripken or Mike Bordick or Rick Dempsey seem to be outlandish, unless the general manager for some reason loves it and then wants to bring him in as a manager. It sounds like everything's going to be done with new guys, which I think is a good thing. Maybe. You know what I would do with Mike Bordick? Send, send him to Norfolk. If you want to manage, go go prove yourself down there. Yeah, that was always my issue with like, because didn't Cal Ripken talk about wanting to be a manager? Yeah, but he wants to and, go like straight to the majors. Yeah, like go go to single A and learn how to manage. And and then eventually may, may, uh, work your way and get the call up. But you got to start over. Uh, just because you were a star player, it doesn't put you on the on the fast track. Yeah. At least I, I don't think it should. Right. Tell that to Don Mattingly. For some players, um, but I think you should have to. Yeah, or at least even know. even if you don't go and be a, a manager at a lower level, at least come to spring training and, and work out with the guys. Being some type of advisory coach, some type of. Uh, Maybe that's what Brady Anderson's going to do. Maybe he wants to be a manager, and he'll go on over to Norfolk. But uh, be some somehow be involved in the team as a coach before you uh, just say, "All right, I want to be manager." Yeah, do there's something. There's parts of the interview process, like when they're, as they're interviewing these these guys for president baseball operations. There's parts of the interview I'm really interested in. So, like, I wanted to be like Lou and John Angelus in, in their interview, and then like Brady Anderson sit in the corner or something. And they got to explain to him, listen, you're going to take on and be, and you have complete control of this team. And you're going to report to anybody you run the team. Except for there's Brady Anderson. He'll be at all your meetings. He'll go wherever he wants. He'll come and go as he pleases. Like, how do you explain that to a guy that here's this other guy who has a, a, a locker room in their locker with a uniform, can do whatever he wants, kind of kind of with, with uh, no oversight. But you'll also have free range. Like, I'm curious to see how they explain Brady Anderson's position uh, to a new guy. And I feel like I need to uh, speak up here and defend my boy Don Mattingly because he didn't just jump in to become a baseball manager. He was a hitting coach with the Yankees for five years. Okay. He was See, the I'm bench fine coach. With that. He was the, their instructional coach in Tampa for I'm fine years with that. that. That's what you should do. Yeah. Yeah. Don't speak ill of my man Don Mattingly. <laughs> he put in his time. No, but you're right. Brady Anderson's weird because I feel like – in all those interviews, 
either Brady Anderson's going to be at the desk, like doing the interview with them, and be like, and certainly, yeah, we'll be doing that. Or yeah, be part of the interview process. Or he's that. like back in the corner, <laughs> just hiding out. As, yeah, like we going to stay occupied while while the big boys do the interview. I don't know. Right. It's, it's, I don't. I don't get it. And yes, you would think that. Uh, the Orioles would need to make Brady Anderson's role with the team a little clearer. Like maybe give him a title and responsibilities that are, yeah, somewhat right. limited. <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, we are coming up on November. And remember, we did have a story a couple of weeks ago about how the Major League Baseball was getting irritated with the Orioles for not knowing who's in charge. Yeah. When, and, when, when are the general manager meetings? Uh, they're in, for the owners meetings. Which, they're which in mid-November. So we should maybe learn something then maybe i mean if we don't have a general manager i imagine it'll be brady and trip norton brian graham representing us yeah at this point i think it's um at what point do you think we hire what do you think the timeline is here uh i would hope that we've been waiting for the world series to end because we want to interview someone from the red sox and the dodgers if they'll even take our phone calls so i would hope we get our interviews out of the way in the next like, there's no delay now at this point. There's no reason to not be interviewing now. So I would think we should start to hear more names come up in the next week. And I think we probably hire a GM within two weeks or or a president of baseball, whoever the first one is. First one's president of baseball, then yeah, a GM, I mean, then a manager. I would think someone's name gets attached to the Orioles by next week. Yeah, I, I, I would guess the Orioles already have their president of baseball operations. I think they may have. Um they just haven't announced it yet. And, and I think part of the reason is, and we talked about, I think they're keeping close to the best. I think they interviewed, I think they know who they're going with. And I wouldn't be surprised if the president of operations is already putting together a list of names for general manager, because um, that's how they said they're going to do it. And I think that's okay. President of operations, he's going to hire a general manager who will then hire a manager. I'm okay with that. Um, but I think one of the problems is we got freaking Rich Roley and Rakabaka going to Halloween parties. And I, I just don't think we have, not that I have anything against Halloween parties, do your thing. Um, I think you're a little bit old for it, but whatever. Right. Do your thing. Um, By the way. This isn't like the New York media. I feel like the Orioles can get away with more stuff and kind of be a little more sneaky because all the attention, the national attention is on the World Series. Yep. No really attention is going on Baltimore. So they could have guys in and out of the warehouse all the time, and I feel like no one would even know. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, by the way, Brady Anderson does now have a title. He is oh, yeah. the Vice President of Baseball Operations. Okay. Is that a new title? I thought that was wasn't that Dan Duquette's title? Um uh this is John uh, Miole's article oh, on October on October third when it was announced that Dan Duquette was uh being let go. They said that Brady Anderson would stay on as the vice president of baseball operations. Yeah. And Carol made the comment on our chat room, which you guys can join our chat room every Monday, starting at seven thirty PM. Local time. Um, Eastern time, said, not local Brady's... time. Well, local to your time. No, Eastern time. If they're watching in California, it's not local time. Oh, well, I assume they're all watching here. No, we've got like international. We've got listeners all over listeners. the globe, baby. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Whatever. I'm just talking. No one's listening anyway. All right. This is from. But Carol mentioned in the chat room about I heard Brady is in good with the Angelus family. Your thoughts. And yeah, I think I think we've all heard that, right? Like. There's a direct connection between Angelos and Brady. All right. Now, we've been joking about this whole Brady not having a position. Brady, what is Brady's role? How long has Brady been with the team? Do you know? 
Even going back to being a player? No, no, no. In, in, in the warehouse. Oh, I don't know. How, uh, how long has, do you think this ambiguity has been going on? 2012 when Buck was here. 2012 yeah, is say, correct. I'll say around then, yeah. January 2012. The Orioles today announced numerous promotions from within and restructuring. Orioles Hall of Fame famer Brady Anderson has been named special assistant to the executive vice president of baseball operation. Yeah, that's the title, special assistant. That means you can do whatever. <laughs> right. Special assistant to the – because remember, Dan Duquette was always the vice president of baseball operations. Right. Because we've never had a president. We, we've never had a president. And that was part of the whole thing with him leaving for well, wanting to go to Toronto. McPhail was the president, I think. I okay. Think McPhail was the president. All right. But then they, they, made, uh, they didn't make Dan the president. Right. By the way, the, the winter owners meetings uh, – the winter meetings start December 9th through 13th in Las Vegas this year. And uh, free agency officially begins this Saturday. This coming Saturday. All right. Uh, Pierce is a free agent. Adam Jones is a free agent. Who, you, where do you think uh, these guys end up? Vinny Machado is a free agent. Who, who do you think signs first? Machado, Jones, or Pierce? Um, oh, that's a good question. Pierce, probably. I bet Pierce just re-ups with Boston. That's right? what I would think. If you're Boston, you're probably reaching out to Pierce early and, and re-upping him. And if you're Jones, I would imagine you're trying to sign fast if you're Jones. Well, get this, though. Consider what we talked about a lot last, last offseason, and, and I'm just pulling up more upcoming dates here. Notably, the end of November, the 26th to 29th, is the MLB Players Association Executive Board meeting in Dallas. And the MLBPA is not happy about several things, including something we spent much of the offseason last year talking about, the uh, – the frigid free agent market that teams didn't sign right, anybody. They were waiting out. They were waiting out the free agents. Right. Uh, you know, until February, March, even for so, some of these so guys. You, right. Collusion. So, right. Collusion. So you know that means that Major League Baseball is telling the owners, "Hey, we can't we can't look bad about this. We got to get out. We got to get a little hot start here." According to this, the MLBPA recently made two high-profile hires that indicate that the union is gearing up for the toughest labor negotiations since the 94-95 work stoppage. Oh, another strike coming. The good news? The collective, the current collective bargaining agreement doesn't expire until December 2021. A work stoppage is not imminent. I wouldn't call the current labor climate peaceful, however. Did they, did they hire Dominique Foxworth? Because he worked on the NFL strike and the NBA strike, or negotiations. I would like to see him come and take care of Major League Baseball as well. They hired uh, sports litigation expert Bruce Meyer as their senior director of collective bargaining and legal. Then on September 5th, they named sports lawyer Xavier James as its new deputy chief operating officer. So MLBPA is not messing around. They're tired of the frigid free agent market. They want to get paid. It's not just a free agent market. It is. And I always thought it's kind of messed up how it works, right? When With teams having so many years of control over their players. I mean, going all the way, to, all the way back to, to the minors and once they get to the majors. I mean, the fact that these guys are becoming free agents. Like Caleb Joseph is going to be what? Like in his mid-30s by the time he becomes a free agent? I think it's kind of ridiculous. Well, the, the, this says the two biggest issues are veteran free agents, i.e. 30-plus, age 30-plus, yes. are not getting paid anymore. Well, yeah, because they're so old. What do you do about that? And want... teams are manipulating the service time of their young prospects. 
Last season yeah. was brutal for mid-range free agents. Quality players like Lance right. Lynn, Todd Frazier, that. Mike Moustakis all settled for contracts much smaller than they were expecting going in the offseason. I can hear that, but I the, the arguing because old guys aren't making money anymore. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> yeah, well you know how you fix that. You expand rosters. They want that that that's a tactic to expand rosters. Cuz you you get you get two more spots on that roster and suddenly guys are paying more. But you're you're bringing in more guys. But still you're going you're going to use guys from the minors for those spots. Maybe. Right? Uh, you're not, not going to make your 26 man Mustakis. No, you're not. You might. The other way you the other way you get more old guys is you make the uh, DH and National League rule, and you make it global. Yeah, but they're not going to do that either. I mean, the, the twenty six man might start help also with people trying to manipulate that um, the roster the service the, time because you need to have another guy up there. Maybe so if it's a veteran or it's a young guy getting service time. Well, apparently the, it was like a big deal in Toronto where they didn't call up guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr., despite tearing up the minor leagues and the Blue Jays weren't going anywhere, so why not bring this young stud up and see what he's got? And the Blue Jays as an organization are like, no, because then his clock starts ticking. Right. We used to have the clock ticking time conversation here in Baltimore. Yeah, and I hope, honestly, I hope next year the Orioles keep all their good minors in the minors. Because we want right? to yeah, keep the clock Castle. down. Ryan Matkowski in the minors. I hope they keep, you know, all these young, and I, I was going to say all of them. There's really just Ryan Matkowski and uh, Hunter Harvey. Well, yeah, but I mean, Hunter Harvey already made his appearance. Did and, he? Um, yeah, yeah. Did, did what? I mean, he was called up. I don't know. Did, did, oh, that's right. He, yeah, he sat in the bullpen. I remember that. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't count if you don't throw the ball, right? Mm, I think. I don't know how it all works. I can't figure it out. <laughs> I mean, he's put on the forty man. I think that means something when you're putting the forty man, right? Don't know. I don't, I don't know. know and then they, they just changed. I don't know. I saw an adjustment on the Super 2 as well. I was like, what's the Super 2? I have no idea how that works. It's complicated, all these rules with, the, with these young players. You guys know what the Super 2 is? I don't know what Super 2 Super is. 2? Yeah. No, it's, I it's don't a know. Young super player, but you can be a Super 2. The big, the big date to mark your calendar for December 13th, Rule, rule 5 Rule 5 draft. Rule 5. How many guys do you think we're going to get this year? Over, it's got to be over under three. Uh, it's over three. It's over three. It's over three. You got nothing to lose. You might as well grab them all. <laughs> keep everyone in the minors and just yeah. have a team full of rule five guys. You might as well. I mean, you got to keep them. You're not doing anything. Why not? Well, why not? Because why not? Because what's the point of getting Jason Garcia on your team? Uh, a diamond in the rough. Just so he can go to Japan and pitch in two years? All I know is whenever people try to use examples of successful Rule 5 projects, they were never successful on the teams that drafted them as a Rule 5 guy. <laughs> you know, like people like to point to what Darren O'Day was a Rule 5. Uh, Batista was a Rule 5. Yeah, but they were never successful on those teams. Instead, you get TJ McFarlane. And uh, was Ryan Flaherty a Rule 5? I don't remember. Yeah, he was rule five. All right, rule five, and yeah, Jason Garcia. Um, you know the uh, the next big uh, international guy. You guys know know who it is? No. Have you guys heard the name of Wang Po Jung? No. No, but I want him. <laughs> yeah, he's a Taiwanese slugger. All right. I think he'd be the first person to make the jump from the Taiwanese league. To to uh, major, but, major league baseball. But is he setter. is he eligible now or next year? 
Like, can no, we he's use, eligible now. So we could use our that, money on him? They said he's going to be available after their little World Series or whatever, which is in early November. Okay. Um, how old is but he? There's, he's how, how old? Yeah. He's old. He's like 24. That's what, I, that's what I thought. That's normally what you get with those guys. Yeah, and so there's question. I, he hit over 400 and had like 30 home runs over there. Yeah, but, but that's over there. Not, Who is it, Ted Williams? Yeah, d- there's debate. They're saying some people say he might go to Japan where the competition a little bit tougher before coming here. Um, but that's, that's a name that you should pay attention to, Wang Po Jung, to see if the Orioles make a run at him. He's the next top guy out there. But there's debate how good he is. Uh, are we going to talk about Ravens or no? I'm, I'm glad. I was saying we're almost time's up. <laughs> I was just looking for this button. Because when you're talking about an older guy from Taiwan coming over, it's not Taiwan, but another base, another baseball league coming over. Slugger. That's so think, racist, Josh. I don't even think all <laughs> Asian leagues are the same. No, just because he's from Taiwan, we need to play uh, saying, the Koreans guys. I'm song. saying it reminds me of Hunsu Kim, as in a guy from a Asian baseball league who's older, who's a slugger, who we're going to bring over here, and suddenly he's going to be good. That's a really it, hard transition. Kim learned. Kim taught us that's a hard transition. And now that Buck Showalter's gone, whoever's managing will be more likely to play them. <laughs> yeah, he's not quite as old as as Kim was, and I think anyone who signs him will sign this guy with the understanding he will go to the minors. That was a problem with Kim. There was yeah, the the I'm of, not going to the minors. It's lost in translation. Yeah, complete misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Where where is Kim nowadays? He's back in Japan. He's in Korea, right? Yeah, he's Fine. back. He's back in Korea. Him and uh, didn't we send a pitcher over there? I think a former Oriole, uh, Tyler Wilson. I think he's over there. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, Bert, um, give you props, man. You were all over this Ravens team being overrated and not all they were. Um, set out to be, or not all that people were saying about them, and yeah, you yeah. were spot on on Sunday. That game was. I bet that made you feel real good, right? Oh yeah, I, I feel like it was a quality afternoon spent sitting on the couch watching that garbage. Uh, yeah, I'm out on this year. We're we're garbage. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> Seriously, and I think I said it last week, and this this week only proved it. We're gonna lose at home to the Steelers, and the season's over. Might as well start Lamar Jack. Might as well fire John Harbaugh and start Lamar Jackson the rest of the year. All right, but I would love like to see a mid. I would love to see a mid-season firing of Harbaugh because I, I'm so over this garbage football. I, I think we're going to have. Jackson was just fired. Yeah, and there's lots of people now calling in saying, "Well, since the Steelers beat the Browns and Hugh Jackson was fired, it means that if the Steelers beat the Ravens, Harbaugh is fired." I would Which, be all for. Hey, it. do you know what I like this stat? Do you know what Hugh Jackson's record was? Like one and uh, fifteen or yeah, something. Yeah, it had one no. win, I think. Right? No. He had three wins, 36 losses, oh, and, and, and one tie. And also a tie. Yeah, so yeah, a tie. 336. Oh, there you go. And, oh, nice. and one of those wins was against us. Right, right, right. One of those three, he beat the lowly Baltimore Ravens. Yep. Oh, yeah, they had three wins this year? Good for them. Yeah, I did enjoy this yesterday. So you just had to go on and let everyone know that you were actually watching? Like, what's that, your first game of the year that you're actually sitting down watching? Well, and I tweeted, that's the first time I've tweeted in what feels like months, 
because uh, I'm I I hate social media. I've decided that. But I'm sitting there on the couch watching the Ravens game with my four year old son, and the first thing he says to me is, "Why are we even watching this?" And I said, "I don't know." So I I videotaped. <laughs> we reenacted it just so I could tweet what had just happened. Granted, he hammed, he hammed it up a little bit more for the camera, but right. the first time I was like, son, I don't know why we're watching this. There, it's gorgeous sunny afternoon on a Sunday afternoon. We, sh- we could at least be going to Costco right now. <laughs> right. I do, think, I do think that game was ugly. I do think the Ravens are banged up, and I think they turned it around. So I, I am going to go the opposite of Burt's pessimism and go uh, that they do beat the Steelers and they pull it around. You know, they are favorites going into this game. Yeah, it makes sense. It's a home game, and I, I think they're. I mean, the Steelers got off to a rough start, but they're playing better ball now. Yeah. But I look, and it's great for the Steelers. So I feel like it's always a toss up, right? Sure, and 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 you always have somebody telling you, well, they're still uh, at five hundred. They're one game out of first place in their division. The the they have they control their own destiny. If I hear one person tell me they control their own destiny, if you, that's fine. They still lose every week. Uh, they're terrible. They, they're going to control their own destiny into getting their head coach fired. Well, whenever anyone says control your own destiny, it means that you screwed up and you now got to win, yes. win a bunch. Yes, you Control your destiny is a bad thing. You can't beat the teams you were supposed to beat. No. Now, on the positive side, they still have five home games left. Some of them are tough, like the Steelers and the Bengals, but then some of them they should win. So there are things to be positive about, but it's really hard to be positive coming out of that win. Uh, C.J. Mosley... Was uh, it was just horrible on Sunday. It makes you know what the most thing that irritated me the most is that I wanted the Ravens to draft DJ Moore, yeah. and he tore them up yesterday. Yeah, uh, this is sta- yeah, maybe it's a statement. Was- Jimmy Smith has been terrible. The defense hasn't no. been the same since Jimmy Smith came back. Not having not having Marlon Humphrey and uh, Averett in that cornerbacks has has really hurt. And, and the I, offensive line's decimated. Yeah, so I really hope that uh, those cornerbacks. Uh, Averett and uh, uh, what's his name uh, Humphrey come back for Sunday because we're going to need them if we're going to beat the Steelers and yeah the offensive line we lost Bozeman uh, went down for a good chunk on Sunday and then Stanley went down for a chunk when you already had Lewis who's out and you've got uh, James Hurst out. The offensive line is all beat up. I could kind of understand Joe trying to throw the ball immediately and not not trusting the line but uh Joe made some really stupid plays as well yesterday. I I was a complete idiot on my fantasy football team, and I took a chance, and I said, I'll, I'm going to start Joe Flacco. Oh, that's not the week to do it. Over Cam Newton. I benched Cam Newton, and I started Joe Flacco. You believed in the Ravens you defense. Superman? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I believed in the Ravens defense, and I was told through all the fantasy football experts that the uh, Panthers' DBs were garbage. And uh, and Joe Flacco threw two picks to him right into their hands. Right, twice. You know, <laughs> we we've talked about how we, uh, as a family, we've got our superstitions, and we make sure to wear the uh, proper Ravens jersey. We used to even switch offense and defense along with the Ravens. Switch our jerseys. I was rocking my Flacco jersey. Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know uh, what Matt brought his son over wearing yesterday uh-uh. for the for the Ravens Panthers. Steve McNair. No, not Steve McNair. <laughs> no, no. Have you listened to the podcast? I yet? have. Yeah, quite, quite the end into episode one. What yeah. a load of garbage that podcast is! It is a little garbagey. <laughs> it's, it is, it is. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's not as like edited as nicely as Serial or the other professional ones. Like the ending just stops, and I'm like, wait, did it end? And, all the time. 
And I only suggested that it was a McNair jersey because I had one for my children when they were very, very small. Me so too. I thought Silas might have like uh, inherited a, a tiny McNair Me jersey. Too. I agree. Uh, but no, it is a different name. But this, this pod, the podcast is very uh, tabloidy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like oh, it's like it, if it, 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 the main the main guy is a total sleazeball. Yes, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. But anyway, uh, back to Matt. And on Sunday, you want to share, Matt, how you dressed up your son to come uh, Listen, watch the Ravens take I'm, on I'm Cam Newton. My, when I'm dressing my son, I'm not thinking about Ravens Sunday. I'm just thinking, how can I make my son look as cute and adorable as possible? And so I didn't have, even know that you had a Cam Newton jersey. We had not a Cam Newton jersey. But we had a hand-me-down from Bert, uh, Superman shirt with cape attached. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, so I put him – because it's adorable, and I was taking him out on Sunday, taking him to see the grandparents. Mm -hmm. So I put him in his cool Superman shirt with detachable cape uh, and brought him over to watch the Ravens play Cam Newton. Uh, I didn't really think about the Cam Newton connection with Superman. Uh, but to be honest, Silas right. was rooting for the right team. Um, next time, I'm going to wear a Superman jersey as well. Did Did Silas turn to you and say, Daddy, why are we watching this? <laughs> yeah, it was his first part. <laughs> oh, man. So, next Sunday must win, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, Whatever. are you on the Burt is over bandwagon, Josh, if they lose on Sunday? I, said I want you to be where Bert is right now. I'm not yet. You know, I was. I went into film study of a pretty negative, and Ken's convinced me that things are okay, so I'm okay. But uh, no, Bert, I, you need to listen to more Ken. I'm not on to. I'm not on the Bert's. I'm not on the Bert's negativity because I know how bad the the cornerback and the offensive line is beat up going into that game yesterday. I know that the best game we played all season was against the Steelers. So I'd like to hope that we can bring that again at home. Yeah, but, and I, but, I'm somewhere in the middle there. I, this, is, I think, is a perfect example of a 4-4 and four team. Like, that's who we are. Yeah. We're better than the really terrible teams. We're not as good as the good teams. I agree. We're 4-4. Four and four. I, And I, I expect us to finish 8-8 eight eight this year. That's I, what I think. We're an 8-8 eight eight team. See, I, I'm, I'm similar to that. I think we are slightly above average. I think we are playing extremely average. And the... The good thing that we have going for us is this home stretch that we've got a, a bunch of our road games out of the way, and that hopefully you can, we can push to uh, nine wins or ten wins because of this home stretch. And, and one of those we're four and four, but one of those four losses is to one of those terrible teams. You can't lose with the Browns and go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Sorry, I've been saying it since week four. But, but <laughs> sorry, this, sorry. But at this point, it's a loss. It's still a loss. Yeah, and you're not going to the Super Bowl because of that one loss in week uh, four. And are the, are the Steelers going to not go because they tied with the Browns? They have a better chance than us. They didn't lose to them. Except we beat them, so I think that puts us ahead of any tiebreakers. I don't know, man. It's going to be a What's long the, season. Hey, Bert, fi- the final record for the Ravens this year. Uh, uh, eight and eight or nine and seven. Best case scenario. There's no way they get ten wins. No chance of ten wins. Week 17, who's the starting quarterback? Uh, week 17, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> unless unless it's one of those stupid things where, like, you have to beat the Bengals in order to get a wild card spot, and you control your own destiny in week 17. <laughs> all and right. so we're still putting Joe Flacco out there, and we lose anyway, and it was all pointless. All right, Bert, let's go through it. This week, steal, host Lost. the Steelers. Lost. 
Then uh, well, we need six more wins to get to ten. Yeah. Then we got a buy. No, so, the buy comes at a pretty good time. <laughs> yeah, buy comes late. We could have used the buy like this past week. Then I we. Think it's work out well for us, the good thing is after that we got the, the buy Steelers between the Steelers Bengals. and then we got the Bengals at at in Baltimore. I think that we lose the Bengals. All right, Raiders in Baltimore. We should win. There you All go. Right, there's one. One win. Uh, Ravens at Falcons. Loss. Falcons are pretty bad this year. So are the Browns. All right. Actually, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say the Raiders is an automatic win either. All right. Ravens at Chiefs. That's loss. a loss. Loss. Uh, Chiefs Bu- are actually a good team. Buccaneers at Ravens. That, that, that should, should be, a, be win. a win. That should be a win. What do we got? Two wins? Ravens. Uh, Fitzmagic. Watch out. Fitzmagic died a while ago. Uh, no, he, he resurrected last week. Yeah. Or on Sunday, he resurrected. Ra- Ravens at Chargers. Uh, yeah, it's, that's a loss. That's a eight twenty game, so that's gonna that's national a, television. National loss, television game loss. on a thir- big fat loss oh, that, on national you know television. What? That's every a, time. That's a Thursday game. Is Lock it? it down. I think I saw. I think that's a Thursday. No, it's a no. It's not a Thursday, but it's uh, eight twenty. And then finally, we finished the season with the Browns in Baltimore. Yeah, that wasn't enough. There's I mean, no way the Browns beat us twice. Yeah, well, it, it might not right. matter at that point. All right, so pessimistic, yeah, Bert. Burt, that's win number three. For right, seven so, and nine. so Bert's going seven and nine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still, it, it's possible to squeak out eight and eight or nine and seven, but I don't see that. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, we'll see how this Sunday is gonna gonna say say a lot to that. Sure. Yeah, I might be all back in if we beat the Steelers on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and isn't that what's that's what's that's what's so much fun about uh, about sports fans? And everyone likes to say it's Baltimore sports fans, but it's sports fans in any city that it's all hot and cold. It's all what have you done for me lately? Well, it would be nice if it, it would be nice yeah. to have like five hot weeks in a row. Well. Though, wouldn't that be nice? It'd be It'd awesome. Be too, but right? that's the fun. But that is football, especially because you only play once a week. So then you got seven days of, of either you're the worst team ever or you're the greatest team. Or in ever. this case, fourteen days since the Justin Tucker field goal. By the time the next Steelers game comes up, that's two hold weeks. On, of, hold on. No, we're over the Justin Tucker field goal. I, he, I mean, he made I a guess. Field, or he made it. It was an extra point. It wasn't a field goal. Yeah, PAT, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Oh, I see. You're you're going to still. Har- Jump on that until we win a game. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. It's jinxed us. Gotcha. Yeah. This this loss against the against the Panthers was definitely on Justin Tucker. I'm with Bert on this. <laughs> it's all him, baby. Yeah, I figured that's. I had thought Matt needed a cue. He Matt was ready to start hour two. I'm just trying to beat the tunnel. I know we gotta get out of here because Bert's gotta beat the tunnel. Right. Yeah, that's right. Gotta beat the tunnel. All right. Uh, thanks for checking us out. Write us a review on iTunes. Uh, there's no off-season here for Section 336. Write us a review on, on, on the iTunes. Um, check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all that stuff. Follow me on Twitter. I might tweet some, sometime soon. Um, at Section 336. Uh, you can follow Bert, who, who tweeted that adorable little tweet with him and his son. You can follow Bert on Twitter. And I'll be tweeting, uh, why am I even tweeting this? Uh, at Bert Rudy. <laughs> And you can follow Josh on Twitter. At Josh Soroka. All right, boys and girls. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches.